0: This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Amsterdam.
1: We've got three tickets to paradise. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction.
0: We are now recording and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Hello, 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 hello. (coughs) Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more. Weekly, we dig into movies, be a most spoiler free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is, a, this is episode 510, 510. Hey, welcome to the bay. <laughs> this week, perfect. This week, we're discussing Amsterdam, the latest mm-hmm. film from director David O. Russell. And joining us to discuss Amsterdam, we have from Fast Film Reviews, always willing to lend a helping hand when someone drops their glass eye. It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Hi, Mark. Mark, how are you
2: doing? I am doing great. It's great to be back on the show, and I appreciate. Uh, we had to move heaven and earth to to make this happen, so I'm glad I'm <laughs> I'm finally here.
0: Yeah, we have been trying. It's always to great you, to have you on. We we were trying to get you back on, but you know, August was so uneventful, and then September things came up. But you know, we we also kept saying we just need a movie that's going to be a a slam bag hit at the box office to get Mark hoping back on the show. Just the movie that's going to yeah. blow people away out exactly. the doors and uh, back to another theater where they could buy another ticket because yeah. that's how big of a hit. As they say here.
1: in hockey, a slam dunk. Yeah. But, so, and and that movie is
0: Amsterdam Amsterdam <laughs> A movie that made a I heard it, the space in between there for the damn part It, it, it made a whopping 10 million dollars In its opening weekend Next to its 80 million dollar budget Oof, uh, we'll, we'll talk get to more that. about that uh, We'll talk all about that and the film and more As we get into the show First up let's get to some show How notes
2: How dare he try to make an original
0: movie <laughs> During
2: COVID no less <laughs>
0: Let's get, I mean, you know, the movies have been successful. Let's get to some, let's get to some show notes um, <laughs> before we get to anything else here. Uh, first up, uh, iTunes reviews the ratings, of course. Always fun to get those. Uh, good to uh, uh, pop us up with the old iTunes charts. But I'll get to iTunes. Search right now if there in an ABE. Uh, you will find our show. You'll find all the episodes that are just available right there for you for free. And then you can be like, oh, there's a review tab. And you can click on that. And guess what? You can give us a rating and review, which would be wonderful. So much content. Thank you so much in advance. Um, What else? Okay, so it is October, uh, which Mm -hmm. means that we are currently in the in the in the thick of recording our horror themed bonus episodes. Yeah, some might call it, you know, viscous, bloody thick, like uh, in those 70s movies. Exactly like that. Yes. So there's so much thickness on these podcasts. You might have to take a blood thinner tab just to digest them and listen to it properly. That's that's the motto that we should be saying. But
1: please ask your physician because we're not doctors.
0: That's that's a hidden code in the Gabriel Toro message that precedes every one of these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Blood thinner (laughs) medication? (laughs) Yes. Uh, But what that means is that Abe and I, along with our friends Brandon Peters, uh, Jason Coleman, and Jimmy O, we are recording these fun bonus episodes throughout the month of October. uh, We go over various topics regarding the horror genre. So far, we've done a couple, including the heroes of horror. Uh, squads and our monster squads list, which are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new episode coming this Friday at the time of this recording for The Shining, which is a very Ooh. fun conversation. Spooky. And then, uh, next week we're going to talk about horror movie posters, which I'm excited to talk about because we're going to really have to really make them come alive for this audio medium that we're on. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, if you guys have... can see it, there's this eyeball on the poster. <laughs> and as we are, as we normally do on the podcast, we have a commentary every month. So we're closing out this month's uh horror theme specials with our commentary, which is going to be for Nosferatu. Mm. Uh, the film celebrated its 100th anniversary. Uh, so, lots of fun, cool content coming in the way of horror. Uh, so, stay tuned for all that. Uh, so, yeah. Aaron, are, what are we doing for November? Are we doing like turkey movies every week? Uh, we're doing No Shave November. So, we're going to do movies mm. about okay. characters wearing mustaches, uh, famous car- famous movie mustaches all month mm. long. Mm. That's the. Got uh, it. Beards ideal. or just mustaches? Mustaches, beards, whatever works for us. We're okay, going to figure right, it out. Okay. We're going to get only the most beardly of <laughs> guests to be Got on the Perfect. I can't wait for us to do Fox <laughs> The hole that I'm digging. Um, to <laughs> make this happen. Um, so yeah, that's that's all that's all gonna be a lot of fun. Um, oh, quick plug. Uh, <laughs> before I forget it completely. Um, uh, this is why I take notes to make sure I don't forget these things. Uh, I was a guest on a very fun podcast called "The Thirty-One Days of Poor" uh, with my friend Dan Davis, uh, where he um. A few years back, he started making lists every October of horror movies that he hasn't seen, and he'd been taking recommendations from people. Yeah, Um, So I've been recommending him a number of horror films because I like my share of horror films just for him to check out because he hasn't seen them before. And now he's finally following up on not only watching these movies, which he has, but actually making a podcast out of said movies to reflect on his thoughts on them. So we talked about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, This past uh, couple weeks, it came out this week Mm -hmm. Um, so that it was a lot of fun, fun to talk to Dan about that, along with many, many tangents, very much like this show. Um, So if you want to check that out, that's 31 Days of Horror. It's a podcast on podcast platforms. So there you go. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool concept. Yeah, I I thought so. Like just like I I want I want to hear the the Ames version of this where he watches thirty thirty different sports movies and we and he has guests 30, on to talk about. Are that.
1: there even thirty different sports movies?
0: Of course there are. Okay. There's like three basketball Alaska. movies. Yep, that's where you start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could totally nail this. I believe I in you. I think I think we could do
1: thirty sports movies. Yeah, this I might be a special in the summertime when when things are slow. You can call it thirty for thirty. No
0: one's taken that before. No, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to things here. Let's get to some out-and-out out cookies. Great, okay, Mark. Each or the only one to out That was... Thanks. That's pretty good. good. Okay. Uh, Abe, let's let's go to you here. What movies have you seen recently? Uh, I started
1: watching The Munsters. Started um, watching. Started watching, yeah. I, I uh, had to take a nap uh, in between. Not because I was bored, but um i it's two hours so i mean yeah, yeah i think i finished like 50 minutes of it and i've got to get into the rest what's interesting about it is that i i totally see what he's going for uh, as a director Rob zombie. it's cl- yeah rob zombie and it's clear that he loves this material and i totally understand the humor and what it reminds me most of is speed racer from the uh wachowski starship i, I don't know if they're still called that anymore but they just go um, by the Wachowskis, but the I don't Wachowski. I
0: don't think they'd be insulted being referred to as the Wachowski scarship because that's awesome. It's an awesome yeah, it's actually a really cool thing. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't
1: wait for them to put out their next record. Um but uh <laughs> it it is really it reminds me of that because it's it beats it it marches to the beat of its own drum. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then I can totally understand. But I I, I do think that there's really like good filmmaking in this in this Munsters movie. It's just that, you know, the, the material might not be for everybody because it's like 50s humor um, and it's like very slapsticky and like very, very on the nose and tongue in cheek in a lot of these things. But, you know, like aside from that kind of throwing me off, um, like I really think that there's a like, really good shots in here. Like just, you know, from there's a set great design production design. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it actually is like really, really solid. And, and like, I do dig that it doesn't have like any gore in it, like. The other zombie movies but you know i i'm i've got to finish it, it it is the monster <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah exactly i mean you know it could have it could have had like a squash i don't think the berries. tv series
2: was you know too gory
1: no no yeah but the yeah, other no, thing no, I they said sa-
0: they, they saved that for gilligan's island
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 uh r-rated gilligan's the island. later years right when they, yeah. when they got when cabin fever everybody <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh moving out from oh, wait, wait, real, real quick before yeah. you move on to the monsters I, I just want to say that when i put up my, my my fair enough positive review on rotten tomatoes i moved it from 33 percent to 36 percent so wow. I, I felt i felt good about that i don't know where Six it is percentage now. or three percentage points. it might, it might be lower now it maybe it's higher who knows but uh, i was happy that I, I i moved the needle a little bit on the monsters on you rotten could have started tomatoes. a trend there made it all positive
2: does does that happen in real time after you submit your review it depends on like I, I imagine they're closely
0: monitoring it, so it's just a matter uh-huh. of how quickly they get to it. it's like 49% right now. That's something. There you go. More people chimed in. 50-50 <laughs> almost. But um the other thing I, I did
1: watch and finish is uh, Reservation Dog season two. Oh, okay. And much like season one, it gets really strong toward like the last third of the of the series of the season where it goes into individual stories. Um and I just, you know, this is such a, a weird. It's not a weird show, but it is. It's got some weird in it. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. What's incredible about it is that it it allows you to understand and explore these characters while having like vignette style episodes, which I haven't really seen a lot in television. Um, but I, it, it really does work. Um, and you know, starting with like the episode Mabel, uh, it just goes into like. Uh, full on like 9.0 on the IMDb skill mode for a lot of its episodes. Um, so yeah, I, if you haven't seen Reservation Dogs, check it out. You know Hulu has some really good programming, or I guess FX in this case has some really good programming. So check that out.
0: I, I would just note that it's you know as thematically interesting as the show is. There's an episode of Mark Marin that was very funny. Um, he was <laughs> he, yes, he, he made me yeah. laugh a lot um, just to yeah. starring on an episode. And that that
1: again like showcasing. Uh, these teenagers is the ability to act like, you know, cheese has a lot to do in that episode. And I was like, I, for like a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid, it's a lot to carry. And he does it. And again, every one of them does it because then the next episode I think is like one about ayahuasca. And then the one after that is about um, Willie Jack going to go see somebody in prison. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, these are these are really really good
0: emotional episodes and yeah man like good job on the entire team yeah for a show that's so centered on on uh, you know Native American performers it it's it's nice that they found like a age group that really nails these characters as well as they do mm-hmm. so yeah that was it all right Mark what have you been watching lately what do you
2: what do you want to talk about here yeah so um first of all because it's October I did watch a halloween movie uh (laughs) hocus pocus 2 oh yeah how'd that go (laughs) well so here i'm gonna defend it a little bit first of all i had never seen the original hocus pocus up until uh the day before i saw uh this one Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of what i expected it's it's frivolous and kind of silly you know you kind of tune in for the zany antics of the three witches i thought the Kids in the film were, were just dreadful. Like I thought <laughs> their their acting is really bad. So the new one, <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: and the kid from Erie, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, I mean, guy from yeah. Indiana. I think
2: right. I mean, I'm not gonna. I won't name right, names, right. but it just overall, I didn't think that the kids were that captivating. But anyway, the, in the new one. I actually think it it did actually uh, surpass that film, and partially because of the kids. I think they were a little bit more natural, they were a little more likable, and and there was a little bit more going on. And it's essentially a remake of the original film. I mean, I I, I get that it's taking place, you know, 29 years later, but they've essentially done the same sort of thing. The kids, they're trying to stop the witches. They come back, and. I thought, I mean, it did make me laugh. Like there was this part where um, the, one of the witches flies around on two Roombas. And I just thought that was kind of amusing. And then later, those Roombas actually do figure into a plot development that I did find kind of fun. To be honest, I actually kind of guessed it. I kind of thought, well, wait, they've made a mess here. What if those Roombas come back? And Sure enough, they did. And the Roombas kind of foil their plans in kind of an amusing way. It's very lighthearted. It's not the kind of thing that I'm going to recommend, you know, to like, you know, cinema uh, people who, you know, worship the, the, the you know, the arts of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was enjoyable. I, I don't know how it, it seems to be getting a mixed reaction. I would have thought that the uh nostalgia factor would cause people to like it but it it does seem to sort of rubbed a lot of people who love the original the wrong way too so i don't really quite understand that because i think the new one is is better and i think it i actually i didn't mind it so much i mean when i say better i mean i give it a marginal thumbs up
0: i just think it feels like a oh God! i just think it feels like a direct a disney plus movie in, like, the worst way possible, where it's like, yeah, oh. eh, we strung together some bucks and shot these people together, yeah. where the first one, which I'm not a big fan of, at least feels like a movie. Like, it feels like autumn in that film. So it feels I like they thought, in the very beginning... Place. This this one just has... It just... It, it feels like a movie that was made during COVID, and it's like, hey, they don't have free schedules, we can all put them together. Yeah,
2: There was sort of... A, I like the style in the beginning when they had the three witches as children, and... I actually thought um, I was actually kind of into that film, and like, oh, the way that these girls were friends and 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 their interactions, and the, the little girl that's playing Bette Midler as a child is is quite funny. And um, I better, don't know what her name. If you're playing young <laughs> Bette Midler. You got to do
0: something to stand out.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was gonna ask, uh, can you see this uh, sort of as something that people return to you during Halloween, or is it just like, Meh. I mean, the people that like it against.
0: will. Like that's really, would it be, you know Yeah,
2: I can't answer for other people. I will not return to yeah, it. it but, it's you
0: know. a matter of, if you have Disney Plus and you're either a fan because you grew up watching it or you have children that also whatever, when you watch Hocus Pocus annually on Halloween, Disney Plus will be like, Do you want to watch the next one when the credits start rolling? And you'll probably press yes. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I was just asking more of like, does it give you the feel of Halloween or is it just more of like a movie that you just watch?
0: Oh, well, I mean it's more the latter. Okay. It's more of the latter, but it is specific. You know, it's no one's watching Ho- how. You know, no one's watching Hocus Pocus in in July when the original film was released <laughs> and bombed. <laughs> yes, thank I, you. I, I wonder why. <laughs> but,
1: um, You're telling me
0: a Halloween movie came out at a different time of the year. This is a diehard a Christmas movie that opens in June that can be a blockbuster. <laughs> it's it's Halloween. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> What else did you see, Mark? Anything else? And know? then
2: um, I want to uh, highlight this film. I, I was I was sort of mixed on it, but I think it's something that deserves to be seen. It was a uh, Age Daydream, and it was a oh, okay documentary uh, about David Bowie, and it's it's directed uh, by Brett Morgan, who's done some other um, documentaries, and it, the documentary is, is to call it that is even maybe not accurate. It's sort of this collage of you know, that weaves Bowie's music and concert footage and uh, performances um, and even unrelated films. They've got bits of pieces from Metropolis and Nosferatu and 2001, A Space Odyssey. And it's all sort of mixed into this sort of head trip of a film. And I do like David Bowie's music quite a bit. So I did enjoy it for that. And I think if you sort of can get lost in the film, um, you can really enjoy it. I, I think it does deserve to be seen on a big screen. It, it's that kind of an experience. Um, it does have sort of a stream of consciousness feel to it. So you would never watch this to learn about David Bowie. In fact, I think it's even more confusing because it, it sort of it, 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 it eliminates certain parts of his life. Like Angela Bowie, his wife, all through the 70s was a major factor in his uh, art. And she's not even mentioned, um, but Iman gets this sort of beautiful segment at the end about you know like how he finally found love. So it's kind of, I don't think it's very accurate, but you do hear a lot of great Bowie music and the images are kind of uh, creatively put together. And I think if you are a David Bowie fan, I think you will enjoy it. So, and I did enjoy it. It just, I, it it was a little bit frustrating in parts because of, I I do know about David Bowie and I was kind of thinking, well, where is this? Or I guess he's deciding to just sort of tell a a feeling and kind of an experience of what it was to be David Bowie. And in that respect, he does a good job.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you watch an IMAX?
2: I did not watch an IMAX, no, but I did, I did see it in the, you know, in a theater on a big screen and everything.
0: That does sound very much like something Bowie would like, as far as the the presentation right. of this kind of thing. I I unfortunately missed it. I did want I wanted to see it specifically in IMAX, especially after seeing the preview in IMAX so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not have a chance to, and I I, it's, it's not a- I I don't know if I have a chance. I mean, I get that. Yeah, it's a big screen. It's a big screen. To some to some degree, but sure, I, I would like to have that kind of premium experience for this kind sure. of thing. I just don't know when I'll get to it, but I don't think my TV at home would be the worst way to see it either. So I do look just forward to sit catching like it. An at inch some away point. from it, yeah. Right. So I know it was when, when I, like right. I like when I play Mario Kart.
1: <laughs> what? Oh yeah, so you don't cheat. You know, li- you don't look at everyone else's screen. No, so I, I, I win. I don't care about cheating. Comes... <laughs>
0: Mark, sorry.
2: One of the things that really oh that's okay. It's just one of the things that really comes through in the ex- this experience of this film is how much of a chameleon he was. I mean, he sure. was such, you know, in the beginning of his career, he was this androgynous space alien. And then by the end, he was advertising Pepsi with Tina Turner, you know, <laughs> and became a mainstream pop star. And, you know, that's the same man. And I think trying kind to of reconciling all of those sort of facets to his personality is kind of what brett morgan is trying to do and in a sense you can't do it because i think he's sort of indefinable but it also kind of makes you it's exhilarating you know you kind of think wow this is this is more than just a man he was like an experience he was a a force he was a legend and it does kind of capture that mm-hmm. so th- that part of the film i really loved well also. i'm
0: fairly interested uh, yeah and I and it, just quickly it, 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 oh, it, it's interesting that you described it as a collage like i honestly i just didn't know if there was like a through line or anything it just sounds more like a like you said like a feeling or an experience that it, that, that does intrigue me more <laughs> to actually watch this than to mm-hmm. see like well and it's, it's
2: i know you don't <laughs> i know you're right you're not a, i know you're not a fan of these cradle to the grave type you know documentaries and it's not that at all it, mm-hmm. in any way shape or form um just in one other movie i'll mention really quickly because it, sure. it came out a while ago but I did watch it recently and, and I did enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good. It was uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. with Leslie, yeah, Leslie Manville. And I I, I kind of, I, to me, it didn't seem like something I needed to see at the time. And it wasn't like setting the box office on fire. So I, I didn't go to see it, but uh, I did check it out. And it is really beautifully acted, as I would expect Leslie Manville to do. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's really well done. Um, it, It's got Isabel Hubert in it and she plays the sort of elitist woman who's the uh, director of Dior and uh, they kind of kind of go toe to toe. And it is, it is charming and kind of, you know, cute in the way that you would expect it to be. But because the level of talent is so good, uh, it, it raises the level of what you're watching. So I think in the hands of lesser people, it would have felt like, oh, this is like a TV movie. But in, in their hands, it, it, it really became something quite affecting and and I was charmed by it so I, I enjoyed that
0: yeah I thought it was quite good as well uh, for you know what it's doing I, I will say that I mean it's based on a series of books and because mm-hmm. you didn't go to the theater I, I'm going to blame you when we don't get the sequel to Mrs. Harris Goes <laughs> to Paris he robbed right. it of its chance to make just oh. that much money my
2: my my you know 20 bucks would have made the difference
0: I, I mean that's, <laughs> that's only five dollars on Tuesdays though Mark <laughs> um i've seen a few things um recently that i want to make note of Uh, first is triangle of sadness um this is the new ruben ostland film he directed force majeure and the square um he tends to make these kind of dark comedy slash satires i'm a big fan of his movies uh this one was no different i thought it was pretty funny i will say it is two hours and 20 something minutes it's quite Mm -hmm. long is it a little messy sure but I do think it's delivering in the ways that I wanted it to, as far as being the skewering of the rich. And it has one central set piece that I'm not going to detail too much, but it involves a dinner gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And it is the grossest thing I've ever seen from a film that oh, won the Palm Dior can. Um, it is uh, pretty pretty oh, impressive. Wow. Uh, yeah, it is not for um, amenophobes, as I believe Doug Benson likes to say, uh, people that are not a fan of seeing <laughs> vomit on screen. Um, but oh, uh,
2: that's okay. <laughs> You're unselling it to me right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, haven't you seen the poster? <laughs>
2: the <movie? laughs> okay. No, so I I haven't really I haven't really looked into it. I just know that he was coming out with a new film. I try okay. to kind of avoid almost everything. It's even... just a poster. <laughs> Fine, yeah, fair I've, enough. I've, yeah, okay, right. fair enough. Yeah.
0: I, okay. Well, I it's not like the entire movie is made up of gross things. There's just one giant set piece in the middle of it that has this mm-hmm. really gross segment in it. But as far as being a darkly comedic skewering of rich people. Um, It hits a lot of fun and of like the model culture and influencer culture. It's really going after that in ways that's not exactly edgy because the stuff you're seeing is too close to real life to be like, this doesn't feel exaggerated. It just feels like, Hey, we're putting this on camera and it's funny now. Um, But I mean, it still was effective for me and it has, it takes some distinct turns as far as what, where it's being set. And I, uh, I, I, I liked how it did that. I'll just throw all those things in there. Cool. Uh, that's, but the grossest
2: thing you've ever seen? It, it, no, the, gro- no, the yeah. grossest thing I've ever
0: seen in a film that won the Palme d'Or can. It's not the grossest oh, thing I've ever seen in Dior. a movie. Like... <laughs> it's a, for being a prestigious but movie, it has quite the... a grossest, gross like segment uh. But no, it's not like right. The... But it's the Palme d'Or, which yeah, that's, their that's... their
2: tolerance for that sort of thing is higher than like let's say the Oscar. Fair something. enough. Yeah,
0: it's on. You know, it's like it's up there with like Meaning of Life, that restaurant scene Um <laughs> money Python. Um, but anyway. Uh, speaking of gross, the other thing I saw this week was Hellraiser, uh, the new Hellraiser film from director David Bruckner, who made The Night House last year, among other recent horror films. Uh, Mark, are you a Hellraiser fan?
2: Just curious. Uh, so no, I'm. I'm actually no, I'm not. I mean, not not that I have. I don't like it. It's that I haven't seen it.
0: Fair enough. I, I I always like. Aging. I know there's the like a to... shock
2: of gasp. Like, how could I have never seen that? No, it's not.
0: No, I I because it's a certain kind of horror movie as far as how far it goes with its right. and whatnot. So I'm just curious. Abe, I don't even think knows the word Hellraiser because he's banned oh, from his vocabulary.
1: I definitely know it because I walked by <laughs> it all the time at the at the, videos. At the
0: yeah. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a striking image to see Pinhead <laughs> right. on a post on a movie poster. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I've seen the new Hellraiser, uh, which is also like almost two hours. I don't know why all these movies are long, um, and. I so I am not a big fan of hell of the first Hellraiser. I, I haven't seen the the preceding eight sequels that came after Hellraiser. So, like, I, I've seen part of two and I just wasn't in the mood to finish it because they're very gory movies. Hmm. Um, gory in a way where it's like it's got that sadomasochism thing going. So, it's not just gore, it's all right. enjoy all this, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. have fun with it. It's torture, but fun. Um, so my experience with the hellraiser franchise is fairly limited is the best way to say it so watching this new one i guess my takeaway is i feel like fans of the hellraiser series will probably enjoy it for the most part just because it's by default better than probably at least six of the sequels at the same time i feel like hellraiser fans would also be a little thrown off by what it's not doing where it Mm -hmm. it's telling a certain kind of story and presenting it in a way that is certainly gory, but it feels like it's it's hard to say this is a tame movie because it's not tame. It certainly has it earns its R rating, but it feels like it removes elements that are what I think Clive Barker is interested in as far as what's behind the pain and the torture and what have you. So like in that regard, I don't think it works very well as a horror movie. Uh, But there are like elements that I think are pretty clever. There's a big mansion that makes up most of the movie that's very well designed and has a very clever thing that connects to the, the mystical box that's at the center of this film I think the designs of the Cenobites which is what Pinhead and the other ones are mm-hmm. I think those are pretty cleverly done and they're largely practical so they look good it's a very slick looking movie and I think like it's doing that stuff well enough so it it feels like the diehard fans of Hellraiser would appreciate aspects of it but I don't know if they'd be fully in a, I, I don't think they'd compare it to like the first or the second one, which I believe get like the highest regards as far as these movies go. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not an expert on Hellraiser. I'm just throwing in my two cents on what it appears to be.
1: Okay. You know, if it was directed by people that just really loved the series and won, oh yeah, from, from what there.
0: I like, it premiered at Beyond Fest last uh-huh. week. It was directed by David Bruckner and the writers involved. Like they, like I mean, I believe Clive Barker even gave his like seal of approval on it. Like wow. they, okay. it seems like a positive experience as far as making the film and and the reviews are pretty strong for the most part. Uh-huh. I don't know if that comes from people that are you know also very aware of Hellraiser or what have you, but uh-huh. but it's certainly yeah, it's not but, coming from like a we needed to make one kind of place. It's coming from a we wanted to make this kind yeah. of place. But
2: yeah. my understanding it is it's a remake of the original yeah. film.
0: So it's yes, it's a it is, I guess, a reboot would be the best. Or is way it to like a, an adaptation of that, the because it's because it's not, yeah, it's, it's it's an adaptation of the book, but I know it doesn't, it's not following that specific story because it's completely new characters, um, that, that and it's set in modern okay. times, so it does have like. It's bra- it's branching off from what the what the book did in a new way, but it's not it's mm-hmm. not a sequel to the previous films. That's that's for sure. It's a new version of because
2: mm-hmm. it's Hellraiser. just called Hellraiser, correct?
0: Exactly, because yeah. that's the popular thing to do now.
2: With these older movies, <laughs>
0: they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I wish it was called the Hellraiser. Actually. I forget <laughs> what,
1: what did Scream call it? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Cream. What did they call it? Like a re? I forget what it, what the term that they use in the movie.
0: Oh, I forgot. Um, so that,
1: that's why they they keep it the same title is because it's not really a reboot, but it's not really. Um... Well, we throw
0: like legacy cool around a lot, but I, I mean that's not yeah, Scream specifically. But they use they use sure. some they they put yeah. I know what you're talking about there because there's that big speech they give where there's like one right, right term And I was like, use.
1: that's actually a good term to use for this. Yeah, and they- it makes sense for why they titled it Scream.
2: They were mm-hmm. gonna call it Hellraiser, still Hellraisin. But, <laughs> but then they decided it sounded like a joke. So. <laughs> uh, Mark knows how to
0: make us laugh. <laughs> All right, that would have been great. Um, another, yeah. another few things here. I'll go through these a little quicker. Uh, I, I watched Werewolf by Night. This okay, is the um, MCU Halloween special essentially. It's a Disney it's a, Plus. Yeah, on Disney Plus. It's a it's a one off. Uh, that features uh, Gal Garcia-Barnell uh, set in this fun plot involving um, the death of some guy that led a thing, and like of, of monster hunters and all the monster hunters gather together to find out who's going to be the next leader of all these monster hunters. Whatever backstory they want to do that involves Marvel comics, what have you, whatever. I, I, this thing's pretty cool. Uh, it's directed by Michael Giacchino, the composer, who also composed what? the score. Yeah, it's his directorial debut. Wow! Um, it's shot in black and white, Uh, And it's very much trying to homage like 30s, 40s, universal horror films. Mm -hmm. That said, it's not like the early word was that this thing is full of gore. It's crazy. It's not like this sounds like people that just don't watch horror movies. It's not drenched in gore, but it does like allow for some moments of bloodshed that are, you know, pretty extreme for a Marvel, you know, a Marvel property um, that's appreciated for being like a werewolf story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's stylish and fun. Like it's a fun 50 minutes to spend and Gar- Bernal is. I was gonna quite say good. it's not
2: like a full movie, yeah. huh?
0: Yeah, no, yeah. It's 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 like it's like watching it. It's it's a one-off. It's a one-off little short like sure. a hallway, like yeah. a short. And it right. and it does the job for you know, if you're interested in seeing Marvel delve into the horror um, in a bit more of an extreme way than you know, you've seen from I don't know what Doctor Strange do. Uh, this does this does the job. And Barnell is really I like I like Garcia Bernal quite a bit. I think he's very fun here. He yeah. has this one move where he has to walk into a room and sit down. He does like a three sixty spin. It's really cool. It's like <laughs> that's that's a choice that you made that I didn't need to see, but it's great. So, but it's got little quirks and stuff, and I yeah. and it actually justifies the use of black and white, which I also found intriguing. Like if there's a wow, it does something interesting with that that I found cool.
1: Giacchino going for like a best directing Oscar <laughs> to meet his like uh,
0: uh composing Oscar. I guess, I guess it'd be an Emmy, right? He'd go for an Emmy. Oh yeah, I guess it'd be an Emmy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's moving up, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh two more things. I saw a film called Piggy. This is a Spanish horror film. Um it is based on a it's adapted from a short from the same director. Uh mm-hmm. the idea is that there's this this overweight um teenage girl who gets bullied by other girls in the Spanish town. Uh one day she's trying to swim and she's getting made fun of and then all of those girls die for some reason um (laughs) oh i've i've seen this trailer like a (laughs) while ago um i think if i had to guess i bet the short kind of ends there as far Uh as like what happens to the girls that are bullying her this film is an expanse on that so it's a matter of what does she do now knowing that she knows they were killed but also her bullies were killed so what does she Mm -hmm. have to lose with that and it kind of balances that in the midst of this kind of goopy horror movie. Um, it's good. Okay. I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> it. It does the job. And last thing real quick. Dead for a Dollar. This is the new Walter Hill movie. It's a Western. It features Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. It's solid. I, I like what Walter Hill delivers and it's been a minute since go. he's delivered a good movie. Uh, so I'm happy that he delivered a solid way. He he makes Westerns anyway whether they're set in the West or not. And here he made a full-on Western. He's got Christoph Waltz as a bounty hunter. Never seen that before. And no. uh, he's quite good. <laughs> and Willem Dafoe steals go. the show. He's, he's great.
1: Not enough gore in that one though.
0: Uh, not enough <laughs> compared to some of the other movies.
1: Every, every one of the movies you've mentioned has gore in it. Yeah, even
0: Triangle of Sadness is probably goopier <laughs> than did for a Dollar. But... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's it Oak Weeks. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. We're we talking about one of the newest movie chariots of the week. When it's coming out, what well, we thought of it, what have you. This week, we're talking Babylon. This is the upcoming Epic period comedy from Damien Chazelle, his latest film, where it features Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and Diego Calva, who plays a Mexican-American actor named Manny Torres, who's pursuing a career in 1920s Hollywood, and the film is at a point where uh, the, the silent film era is ending and the sound film era is beginning but this all just looks like a reason to have extravagant uh, parties and what have you featuring these actors. There's a lot of other people in this cast that I'm not even going to begin to mention, although noting that Tobey Maguire, Lucas Haas, and Ethan Supley are all here, you're just one DiCaprio short of having a certain group involved in this movie, right, it seems. Yeah. Uh, but with that said, uh, Mark, I-, I believe you're a fan of Chazelle's work. What did you think of this trailer?
2: Yeah, I am a big fan. You know, Whiplash, La La Land, First Man. Uh, so that right there gets me you know, excited for it. The trailer, I you know, I was kind of like, hmm. I it it didn't really excite me. Um, it's got a lot of big stars in it. Uh, it's interesting. You know, I while I was watching it, I saw Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt, and I'm thinking, wait, they did The Big Short, they did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, now they're in Babylon. Like these three or these two have done like three movies together. So uh, maybe more. But those are the I, those are the ones that immediately came to my mind. So I was thought that was kind of interesting. And, uh, and this idea of, you know, the transition from uh, 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 silent films to sound, it kind of reminds me of things like The Artist or Singing mm-hmm. in the Rain, which are like some of the greatest films, I no, uh, Singing in the Rain is one of the greatest films ever made. I did enjoy The Artist too. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so all of those elements do intrigue me, but I didn't think the trailer itself, I, I really didn't know what to make of it. It, it seemed like kind of a, a, a mishmash of different things. And I, I wasn't really sure what I was watching. So, of course, I'll see it because I I, I love the director and, and the stars involved. Uh, but I don't think the trailer sold the film to me.
0: How about you, Avd? Do, do you hate this trailer as much as Mark does? I'm kidding. <laughs> you, do you, do <laughs> well, you, you know this? that I'm,
1: I'm probably the most neutral in Chazelle here. But uh, I found the trailer to be, you know, it's loud. It's, it's bombastic. It's got a lot going for it. Damien Chazelle has... A lot of cachet in Hollywood, um, and he he tends to like really make a lot of like Hollywood focused movies, minus may, maybe um uh First Man, uh, but you know, it, yeah, and Whiplash. I, so I guess like two two of his but but um you know he 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 does love Hollywood. He loves like old Hollywood, and it, it's pretty apparent. So, I mean, I, but I agree with was just like, yeah, I don't know if the trailer really does anything for me because it's just music and huge, huge set pieces. And I, would I expect no less? Not really because I've seen it before, but um you know, I'm curious around, like, I guess maybe there's like this weird murder mystery aspect that perhaps the trailer is giving off or at least maybe that's what I was getting from the trailer. And I'm curious about that part of it, but um you know, like I'm, I'm, I probably will go see it, but uh, I don't know if I'm like super um, thrilled about like I don't know how long this movie is but super thrilled about like a, a large movie about Hollywood again. It's supposedly over three hours. What? In theatrical
0: cut? Supposedly yeah. Woo! Alright. Buckle up. Yeah exactly. You know honestly I can't say much different here. Like I, I am a fan of Chazelle. I like the, the I mean I, he has four movies and I like his first one quite a bit too but I like his three big movies you know his breakout film and all mm-hmm. oh, and and first man quite a bit i think all three of them have made but at least i know Lola Land and first man were on my top 10 for you. regardless i'm a fan of the director i i think mm-hmm. he is very he he, uh, he he knows how to put things to screen that work in an effective way um i don't know what i i agree with you though guys that i don't know what this is exactly beyond getting a you know a tone of what he's trying to do with this time period with this roaring 20s time period Uh, specifically set in Hollywood and it's literally called Babylon. So it's like, obviously Mm -hmm. chaos is going to ensue in various forms. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, a lot of this just goes on the fact that I am relying on the filmmaker that I know is talented and the people that are, you know, talented acting in this thing to put something together. That's, you know, exciting and what have you, if it's just going to be, you know, Chazelle doing 1920s, Wolf of wall street, not the worst thing in the world, but I mean, I, I'm curious what other. Right. You know what else he has going on that he wants to explore, as as far as why we're making a movie about this time period, even if it connects to today, or if he just has things to say about it, or whatnot. With that said, I can't wait for the soundtrack of this movie. I really like his soundtracks and films from Justin Hurwitz, uh, his mm-hmm. composer. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to whatever like this thing's gonna sound like in that regard, Um, uh, using this period of music um, that I think there's a lot to explore there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with this movie, and I'm sure we'll you know we'll look as good as it needs to you have Linus Sandgren involved He's a good of I, I, know,
2: I know we're not talking about another trailer but I will say when I saw the trailer for Babylon in the theater the one I saw before it was for the Fablemans which is uh, Steven Spielberg's new uh-huh. film yeah and that trailer really kind of captivated me so sure. I was like oh wow this really looks kind of exciting and I was sort of on a high like I'm like I cannot wait for this movie so mm-hmm. Then it went into this one for Babylon, and I was like, "No, this isn't. Uh, I, I'm not getting any of the same feeling." So the the juxtaposition of those two trailers, right one after the other, probably hurt Babylon even more. But Interesting.
0: anyway, classic Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Babylon yeah. opens in theaters and select theaters on uh, Christmas Day, and then I believe it opens wider. Christmas than- Day, wow! Yeah,
1: open up your presents, spend uh, half the day watching Babylon.
2: Well, once upon a time in hollywood i think opened on christmas day
0: no that was a summer movie
2: oh what did oh no what am i thinking of
0: we this? just hope it posted it django opened on, there was
2: some uh, maybe, uh, something that i thought was like not the typical yeah maybe it was django I mean, you django. get
0: yeah you, yeah you tend to get things like that but yeah sure. it's a it's a christmas day opening for this one um all right well that's our trailer talk let's move on now to our main review for amsterdam <sighs> You don't get here without things starting a long time ago. Everywhere so two soldiers and a nurse found ourselves in... Amsterdam. We formed a pact and we swore to protect each other no matter what. the rich... We find ourselves in a situation where we're accused of killing someone, which is not true.
2: Ewan Woodman fled the scene. The killer pointed at us. We didn't do anything.
0: Why would you possibly think that was us? Well, there's not too many people that fit the description of a doctor looking for his eye on the ground with his uh, black attorney. Columbia Law School. That should have been some of the trailer for Amsterdam. David O. Russell is back. It's been seven years since his previous film, Joy, but after varying scheduling conflicts, COVID-related delays... Russell has now delivered Amsterdam, a period comedy thriller that he seemingly worked quite closely with star Christian Bale in developing. The film revolves around three best friends, two World War I vets and a nurse who find themselves involved in a story inspired by the business plot, a true-to-history American conspiracy that I will not delve into as the story hinges on certain surprises coming connecting to it. Bale, joined by Margot Robbie and John David Washington, find themselves interacting with various characters portrayed by an all-star cast that includes Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Rami Malek, Timothy Olyphant, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Taylor Swift, and Robert De Niro. But will all of these characters make a difference in regards to this film? Mark, are you a fan of Russell's films in general, and what did you think of his latest?
2: Yes. So, David O. Russell, I'm a big fan of. um, The Fighter, uh, American Hustle. Uh, I I was a big fan of Joy, his last film. Mm -hmm. And so this one, I did not enjoy as much as those. Um, I think the issue for me was the way it was put together and the way that the plot unfolded. I think it's several films with different uh, scenes and dialogue kind of strung together. And for a while, it's very hard to even figure out where the story is going. Um, this business plot that uh, is, is sort of a, underlying the, the movie and, and the inspiration for the real life inspiration for this film really doesn't even come about until maybe Robert De Niro makes an appearance, which is like much later in the film. For a large part of the film, it's, it is the sort of uh, friendship between these three people. And we get sort of like the background of how they met and, and you know, why they're friends and this sort of thing. And it it just felt very convoluted, and I didn't really warm up to the different situations that were being presented. I was actually an hour into the movie, and I was already looking at my watch. I still had no idea really what the film was, where it was going. I mean, I I understood this is about a friendship, and we we do know that uh, there's a a doctor that's been... um, murdered and and they're uh, doing an autopsy on him and then someone else is also uh murdered while they're trying to investigate but it didn't have enough of a focus for me to you know get interested in it and i do think the good things about the film and and why it's sort of hard to 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 give it a bad review is because you know the the costumes the production design are outstanding the cinematography from emmanuel lubeski is outstanding i mean it is he frames the, pe- there's lots of closeups in this movie and he frames the actor's faces so lovingly. And, you know, these are like stars and you see their faces up on the screen and they are captivating. And, you know, they're, it's impressive to look at but they're just not saying or doing anything interesting. And you know it's it's really kind of a disappointment because I think a lot of care and effort went into making this film. That's you know not a it's not a question. It was obviously a really lovingly put together film. I would have edited at least an hour out of this film, and I think there are chunks of this film you could easily take out, and it wouldn't affect the actual story because it really doesn't get going until the second half, and and then even in the second half, there's this. A sort of explanation especially at the very end this sort of long-winded explanation to sort of like sum up what we had seen and it just felt like this is something that should have been obvious through the whole movie not something that you tell us at the very end so all in all uh, you know a-, a thumbs down not a not a fan of the movie still a fan of David O Russell and I do think he's an artist but just maybe he should have worked a little harder on the screenplay
0: Normally I would let Abe go next, but I just have to say, Mark, I agree with every single thing you just said about this movie. <laughs> um, wow. I I I did find it just lacking in something to make me care more about what was taking place. Like I I completely agree that it, it was like an hour in where i was just, I felt like I was finally kind of into the rhythm of what this was trying to do, but I kept mm-hmm. getting like thrown off by having these different characters that are throwing in elements that I just, couldn't find myself caring too much about and then the film's kind of overall message that it wants to share i just it felt hollow to me um where i just it didn't feel like it committed enough to being one kind of thing and as a result it felt like nothing so i couldn't like bond with this movie in the way that these characters seem to want to bond with each other specifically that that trio we'll talk more about the cast and what have you but like yeah i I, I am a fan of O Russell's film, of David Russell's films. I, I in general, uh, maybe like you know, one Huckabee away from thinking he has a pretty good filmography overall, but like, it's, it's disappointing that yeah, you have that so would much be my talent least favorite. here. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing this point that you have so much talent here and so much effort put into something that obviously seems to matter to Russell and Bale, who very much seem to want to develop this character and go like with Russell on this journey. And yet it just doesn't really come together all that well. Um, so we'll talk more about this, but Abe, I want to hear from you. What, where are you with with what this movie's doing?
1: Well, um, you guys are totally wrong because I love this movie. Like, it is the best movie of the year. Christian Bale, knockout performance. David O. Russell. I've been a fan of his since the beginning. You know, he and I were in the womb together. We're twins. <laughs> it is honestly like one of like, Mark. You mentioned it. it's one of the best looking movies of the year. Mm-hmm. Aaron is still holding on for the other shoe to drop and it's dropping right now because yeah, it's very <laughs> uneven. Yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of in a lot of agreement with you guys. I think that there is a really like, there is like a fun story here and then it gets into other stories and it gets into other characters and then it becomes just very, uh, nuanced and complex and layered in a way that is unnecessary because I will be honest for the first, like, 30, 40 minutes of this movie, really into it, really into it. You know, it's got really good pacing. It's got people that I really care about from a story perspective, you know, the uh John David Washington, Christian Bale and uh, Margaret Robbie. Um, And it's got just like this really fun noir like mix of, you know, we're in like 1930s New York and something just happened to one of the characters in this movie. And we've got to find out what's, what's going on here. As it gets into like the middle or the second act and the third act, I just felt it dragging too. Like, Mark, I didn't look at my watch, but I certainly felt that in terms of what they're laying out, like track work that they're laying out for me. And I just was like, I I don't know. Like, I know what's going to ultimately happen here because we've kind of seen it before in other movies, but it's just you guys are going about it in a weird, like comical way. Like, I wrote down in my notes here that it's some parts Wes Anderson. It's some parts PTA, it's some parts Coen Brothers, but it's not really like David or Russell to some degree, which is very strange. Um, but I, I will admit, like technically and production wise, really really good stuff here. I you know um, I think that there's uh, a lot to admire about the acting as well, which we'll get into. Uh, particularly one standout, which I think uh, I don't. We probably all have the same standout. But ultimately, like the message here, it feels a little late. Uh, like you could definitely feel like drumf era politics at play here. And we all know in real life that, that De Niro has been a strong, you know, um, uh, vocal voice against uh, the 45th president. But it is one of those situations where I think that if you guys had made it, you know, Terrence said this like last week around um, he said this about bros, but more just like, if you make the more specific you get, the more, um, the more like personal, worldly, yeah. The more personal and like widely accepted it becomes. It's like this one's going on for like a broader swath, and then at some point, like it just feels farcical to be honest. Like, in not not in a fun way either. It Just feels farcical. Like, if he had just written it as a um uh, as a uh, a fictional work, that actually might have been better for the ending of this movie. Um, but you know, I, I think the other uh, the other note that I had here too is like it sometimes even feels like. um, Who did the big short? Um, Adam Adam McKay. McKay. Adam McKay. Yeah, it it feels like that kind of quote-unquote mockumentary documentary type thing. Um, And it it just doesn't really land because nothing was really set up particularly well in it. There are things that are set up, but again, it just goes into uh, various alleyways and these alleyways are, at the end of the alleyway is like another guest cameo. And you're like, this is cool. This is fun. It's cool to see... Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy or what have you in this movie and then all of a sudden like you know the plot thickens so to speak and and you don't really get a whole lot so I at the end of the day it is very uneven like I don't know if it's like a straight up mess per se because I think there's some competent things in it but I I really don't think that it really works as a whole because of Aaron what you mentioned the messaging of this movie and then also just uh, Mark what you mentioned like just how it plays out
2: can I just piggyback one of the things you mentioned about the politics? I think David O'Russell, uh, and I'm just hypothesizing, but I think he must have known about this business plot story and was sort of like sort of intrigued by that and whether it, you know, what even the validity of it. And then the events of January 6th. Mm-hmm. And I think those two things, he sort of amalgamated them into this story that uh, sort of inspired him. And that's what I think he's trying to do, but really a big part of the film isn't even about that. I mean, the first half of the film is just the sort of relationship between, I mean, they're, they're, uh, you know, fight together and, and he stands up for his friend and then they get hurt. And then the nurse takes care of them. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that really has nothing to do with that, which is fine, but it would have to be interesting. And it's not.
0: That's my thing with this. I, I wasn't into the beginning of this movie. Uh It is not, you know, there are good actors here, mm-hmm. but they just—it wasn't. I, and it, it's a shame because, like, I do think Bale is great in this movie. I think Bale is doing that, a great job. That's my of this movie. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I think he's doing. I have another.
2: Here. I have another one that I liked.
0: I, I and I would argue, like Roby is, she's doing. Some, there's some physical comedy stuff that she's doing that's working well for me. John David Washington, who I generally like, felt wasted here. He felt like he just like Russell just <laughs> yeah, didn't know what to do with it. It, yeah, exactly. What
2: did you think about the chemistry between John David Washington and Margot Robbie? That thought it was okay. It wasn't the best. Oh
0: uh, yeah, so, I, I'd agree. I don't think it was non-existence, but it wasn't like, uh, right.
2: I didn't think it was good. And mm-hmm. there's a part, I mean, where Margot Robbie kisses John David Washington and it's like, she's kissing a mannequin. I mean, it's just, mm. there's no like heat or excitement. And I mean, I don't know, it wasn't, It that wasn't I didn't think they even needed to be a really, I mean, I guess they wanted, there was a political aspect to it and they wanted to to, to delve into that. I and mean, then actually he could have explored that more. He, 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 he could doesn't. have, but
0: I agree. Cause that, that, that whole, the, the whole basis of this, as far as them being three best friends, it falls flat to Cause there's just nothing to it. They're just like, they're really And that's kind of it. There's no real drama that comes from out of that, which could come either in the form of like romantic entanglements between the three of them or, anything else but instead they're just like no they just they get along like and it's like okay like and yeah. the whole thing about this movie being set said you know being called amsterdam is that amsterdam's like their shangri-la like it's their right, you know it's their, it's their central place right. but i just i never got this i never got the feeling that i think the movie wanted me to have as far as appreciating them and appreciating the fact that they had this thing that they can call back to so therefore going from there to into this caper thing it's just like Right? I guess I'm just following along with this to see where it goes. I just didn't have much of a connection to any of this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally I, right. I did actually enjoy Anya Taylor Joy and Rami Malek when they showed up. I mm-hmm. thought they were like in another movie, but they were so—I mean, they're—they're they're the sort of sinister uh, villains. But they're fun. They're sort of campy, especially Anya Taylor Joy. I mean, she is.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. So
2: the way she's delivering her lines, I I was there for it, and I I don't think she matches the tone of anyone else in the film. Right. But but I did like it. I I thought, well, here's some life. She's kind of camping it up, and and you know she's ridiculous. I mean, she's a ridiculous person, and we're not meant to like her. But I did enjoy her character, so I was yeah. kind of, you know, I was into whatever they wanted to do, and you know that kind of thing. So they're they're not a big part of the film, but they do. There there's a segment which they're you know a big part of, and right. that's the segment I like the most.
0: Those two seem to be trying to challenge each other on who can make the widest eyes in given moments. Like, <laughs> hey,
2: <laughs> right? I, well, they are so I, goofy, you know. They were, yeah. they were they were made up, and and uh, just sort of the way they were acting, it was just. Yeah. And Anna Taylor do- Joy didn't even seem like a real person. And she seemed like, okay, this is a cartoon. Yeah. But I was like, you know, it was kind of, it was excitement in the film where everyone else seemed kind of, you know, like John David Washington. I mean, you know, Black Klansman, he was so riveting and so good. And maybe this is a tribute to Spike Lee that he was able to extract that performance from him because he was outstanding in that film. This seems like a, if I didn't even recognize him as the same actor. So yeah, you know, it
1: certainly feels like an underutilization of I John David Washington's talent. So maybe, I mean, you know,
2: I don't know if that's I mean it's partially John David Washington's fault, but it's also David O'Russell. I mean their relationship, I I'm guessing, wasn't the best because it it or let's put it this way.
1: You're it telling me David O'Russell has problems with his actor sometimes?
2: I'm just, you know, I'm just right. saying that he didn't extract the best performance. I, from, I hear you. From I, yeah, just joking.
0: I, I will say that there was a point where it was going to be Michael B. Jordan, and there was another point where it was going to be Jamie Fox. I could see Jamie Fox easily working. I could see movie. Jamie Fox <laughs> working really well in this movie. Yeah, um, uh, I was going
1: to say like for the acting stuff, you know, uh, uh, what what's kind of like um you mentioned like the annual Taylor Joy sequence, especially when they're at into state. Like what kind of throws me off in these these large ensemble type movies is when you have such massive acting talent on screen. At one point, like there's three actor like Oscar nominated, Oscar winning actors like on the screen. And it just really throws me off sometimes because some people are knocking everybody's socks off and the other people are just like not really as good. And I was like this is not like it doesn't really bode well when I'm seeing this because it just makes you feel like uh, you just had a bunch of people together and everybody's like on different pages. So when you think about something like, um, like I, I also thought, thought of like nightmare alley uh, in this because of some of like the noir sequences. Mm-hmm. But when you think about like a sequence with Kate Blanchett and uh, Bradley Cooper at the, at an office, it's just two of them. And both of them are really, really talented, but they're meeting each other at the same level. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, there's a lot yeah. of tension and like weird stuff going on here. And, and I don't know what, what's happening, but I'm very intrigued. And then this one, there's just like, okay, well, I see what's happening here, and you guys are all giving like pretty good performances. Bale is just like knocking it out of the park all the time, and then like Robbie is like probably second best, but then you have like Robbie Malik, like what you're saying, Mark. He's like kind of doing like a weird character too, and I don't know if it's a choice or if, I don't know if it, it was feels like, like stick Russell. Yeah, it feels like that, and it's like this doesn't feel like it's a part of the same movie. So then when you do get to other subplots, you're just like. It would have been better as like a goofy, farcical, like noir type movie, but it's not.
0: It reminds me of something that I always remember that Alan said when we talked about Lincoln, mm-hmm. where it's like, yes, there's a lot of great actors here, and on their own, they're very good. But like when you have Daniel D. Lewis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the same scene, it's just like watching Daniel D. Lewis just ring circles around right. Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, yeah. in, in a given moment. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, there's there by having so many people here, yeah, you're gonna be testing the limits on some of these actors. And right. it comes down to like, how are these, and, what are we doing to make these people stand out? And I do yes. think it feels like some people are just into what this movie's trying to do more than others. I'd argue Timothy Oliphant doesn't have nearly enough to do because it's like, I would agree. This character's supposed to be menacing and he is, but it's like, he's so not a thing in this movie where it's like, yeah. give me more of this if you want me to be feeling something here. And I, think- I,
2: yeah i just started finding it funny too that whenever a star would pop up sometimes it was almost amusing like oh there's mike myers and uh, and now there's taylor swift and now there's you know uh rami Malek, and then so they popped up in kind of funny i think there's one part where somebody opens their eyes and you see like another star staring at them and it just it's it's it is a little distracting i mean part of it is the whimsical nature of the film so Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I will say that, you know, just in my last cap on, on the acting part, yes, there's a lot of people here, um, but like what you're saying there, Mark, like if you were to mix in, here's this cameo from this huge star, it really distracts me from like the plot of the movie, you know, like seeing Chris Rock show up is like fine because he's like a character actor anyway. Uh, but then you see like, okay, well there's like, the uh, a family member of Ed Bagley Jr. Ed Bagley Jr. also another name drop but it's like there's a family member of Ed Bagley Jr. that shows up in the first like 5 minutes of this movie and you're like is that who i think it is and it is and then they have to do a lot of acting together and it's just like you know the the bail is just wiping the floor uh, off of it but it's really distracting because it's like well is this a Pepsi commercial or is this a movie um and it really I mean, you're
0: talking about taylor swift and it's like i mean it's not like i didn't know she was in the movie i did feel like it i didn't know me. she was in the movie yeah. she in every ad is on all the posters
1: i haven't <laughs> seen the ads but yeah in any case it's it, not so much like it's a surprise but it's just more like okay well these are big name people and it does get to a point where i am actually wondering to myself who else is going to show up in this movie because i'd rather see cameos than like this plot is just like it's middling. It's not bad, but it's like it's very middling. So I'd rather just see like, oh, look, here comes like, I don't know, Naomi Watts. She's not in this movie, but here comes Naomi Watts and and uh, her husband is also in this movie and he plays like a tough guy, which they're both not in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a loaded cast. Yeah, <laughs> it's loaded some, cast. Some work world of others. Yeah.
1: And again, they that also adds the unevenness. I will say that the Alessandro Navola character like what is this? You know, like I don't. Like, this is played for a comedic effect, but also it's very annoying. And it's not I really
0: actually good. found it pretty funny in this. Like, as far as
1: I think there's like one one point with like a bowl that I really enjoyed.
0: Okay, because I liked it. That, like, it even feels like he knows he doesn't need to be here. He's just more extraneous because you just only need one cop and not two. Sure, and sure. I, and I, it feels like he just kept adding, right. they kept adding stuff for him to like, he's like, and I'm here too. And it just right, right. It humored me. Like, again, okay, it's you know, it's sure, a movie that I right. really wasn't liking. But <laughs>
2: the Mark. movie is i mean it's about whimsy and there i did chuckle i mean like throughout the film I, there were little things like that yeah that yeah, i, yeah. I like mike
0: myers maybe me laugh a few times so. yeah
2: i i i right i, I liked him in, yeah. in I this mean, too
1: i think that there are some entertaining entertaining things in this movie for sure like you know Again, Aaron, I know that you didn't have the same feeling, but I did enjoy the first like 35 minutes of this movie where it's just them kind of setting things up and them walking around New York while Christian Bale's holding roses in his hand. Um, and he holds them for quite a while in this movie until he finally delivers them in a very fun like frame. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, th- there's not really a whole lot. I will say that in the Christian Bale universe, I'm glad that he gets back together with the character that he meets in um, Out of the Furnace. <laughs> so that was that was nice.
2: She's <laughs> also you know,
0: underused and like I think effective. And she's like one of the best. Yeah, she's one of, like the best people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: you know Christian Bale, he's kind of doing a riff on um uh Peter Falk and as Columbo. I mean, That's interesting. fair. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'm talking like this and stuff and what's
1: <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, he's so good. He's he's really fun, and I he's got uh, David Russell. I know that he's got dry wit and humor sometimes, even with the glass eye. Yeah, yeah he's he's got yeah, but you know Christian Bale Sorry, has like really could... good delivery. Like I really enjoyed the scene where you know Mark, you mentioned the framing of actors by Lubeski, um, and then mm-hmm. Bale's just like, "You want me to go to war, so that I can move up on Park Street?" It's like, it's really a, a fun sequence. But you know, these guys are just so good
0: looking, and and De Niro like plays himself, which is nice for him, I guess. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he just walks in this. Did you? I and... sort of felt that yeah. way
2: because it, it's like I almost he's felt like De Niro. Like so he wrote the like... part for him.
0: Yeah, because it's like he walks yeah. in, he's just like every stance he takes is like well, I'm De Niro. Okay, it's, it's not like you had to dig in for this role. <laughs> like right. But it's yeah. not but he's De Niro, it's not like he's unaffected. It's just more like, Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I forget who his character actress wife is in this movie, but she's really fun Oh, Beth and, Grant, yeah. Yeah, she's great in everything she does, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, um I was gonna say that um there uh there is like a strong element of um too little too late in this movie which i think we're all sort of alluding to so when de niro shows up you're just like it it takes a different turn and then even at the credits i was gonna ask you guys earlier like, did you guys feel like you're gonna see other these are the real people in this in the credit sequence
0: i was glad i did not okay but um, then like it showed it did like there was really, a little bit of that it did a little it only bit only did of it, de niro which i was like i what what gets me is that, like, the movie starts with what? A lot of this actually happened, right? Is that, like, the yeah, thing it says? It yeah. The and, it, and it's, like, it's not like the movie really goes out of its way to delve into American history all that much to, like, reveal stuff. It just kind of, you know, it, it's referencing, like, nobody's gonna, nobody that doesn't know this already is going to, like, learn more about this unless they actively go to seek right. it out. So by the time they see some, like, random black and white clip from some person... I don't know how much that's really adding to anyone's like appreciation of the film, as far as like I guess something like this happened, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it's not really clear about what it seems to want to accomplish by having a completely different character name and everything line up with something that happened to some degree in America.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and just say the exact same things. I mean, all yeah. it showed me is, oh, well, you didn't have to write that part of the script. <laughs> yeah. <'cause> you just <laughs> took it directly really, from what they were. Well, from. even
0: the scene that they're showing is not in, in the movie. It's just, like, an outtake essentially. <laughs> right. like, yeah, it's, it's like a little thing.
1: clip of it, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but I was just, like, you know, how uh, I, w- I would have been curious to see how these actors, sort of, the main trio, sort of if There was a photo of them, but you know, well,
0: I guarantee they that. don't exist. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, if too. It's like like if, there's no if, Dr. Baronson that exists in the world. <laughs> like that never happened. Yeah, I was like, This guy's too good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I didn't read extensively on the business plot, but I did read a little bit about it. And there were hearings about it, but it's not even clear that there even was a business plot. I mean, it's sort of like I don't know what they determined, but it, it was sort of like, yeah, maybe there was some discussions, but sure. they didn't amount to anything, and, and then it was sort of like nothing. So it it seems like a lot of you know just suggestions. Mm-hmm. So well, there we we've go. T-
0: yeah, so we've talked a lot about this movie. I I, I did want to hark on something as far as just things about this. So this is a David O. Russell movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, his last movie, Joy, came out in what twenty fifteen. So that's before the Me Too movement and things started really escalating in that regard. And now we have David Russell back. David Russell is by all accounts, not the greatest person. <laughs> like, he, right? Yeah. there's been plenty of things that's gone on in his sets. Huge bluffs on set. Volatile behavior, let alone things in his personal life that also aren't great. I think it's not hard to feel like that's connected to the response in this movie. Like, despite the fact that Mark and I are not, you know, mm-hmm. none of us are really fans of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like the movie's gotten great reviews. It, uh, his movies generally have done pretty well. Like, he generally, I mean, his last four movies have all been Oscar nominees. Uh, do, I, I am curious, do you think the the kind of anger directed towards Russell that's been kind of more in the news lately as far as bringing it up again, especially during the time that we're in, do you think that's affected people's views on Amsterdam in, in any way?
1: That's an interesting question. I, I hadn't thought of that angle because I was going to ask you guys, are movies back? And it's like, it doesn't feel like they are. Like, it doesn't feel like people are really going to the theaters still. But I don't know. I mean, perhaps that, that comes into play, but I also just don't think that people... Heard really good word of mouth and that really didn't help out
0: with you know I'm not like talking Christian about the box, we'll talk about the box office in general I would I, just curious oh, you talking like, about they're Russell? just like the, gen- the, the well the general reception well, of this film like it's it's so a I, movie that's you know he's I, he's he tends to make prestigious movies and people just don't like this one it's pretty mm-hmm. low and the Rotten tomatoes and whatnot like the reviews are
2: bad yeah I like this question and I, I think this is a question should, that should be asked often about lots of films but in this case <laughs> I would have to say because the film is not very good. It's hard for me to think that people are giving it worse reviews because of his personal life. I, I, I tend to think that, you know, I mean, of course, in any uh, film criticism, people are somewhat swayed by those things. But I, I think the film is legitimately not good. So I think it's deserving the the negativity that it's getting in this case.
0: I'd argue the same, but it, but it is interesting to just... <laughs> Look at this movie and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's this, you know, all star cast, big director. What's not working for people? And obviously, we just talked about what's not working for all of us. And I don't but, think it's too far off of what everybody else is saying about the film either. But, it, you, know,
2: I, you know, I was a big fan of Joy, to uh, Definitely. I mean, and Joy which got.
0: L- which was lesser liked. It wasn't hated, but it right. was certainly wasn't as hated. It wasn't as big as Silver Linings and all that. Right. Right.
2: It wasn't beloved. And I I actually thought it was quite good. I I wouldn't put it on a level with American hustle or silver linings playbook or the fighter, you know, but I did enjoy it. And so I always thought that the reaction to that, and I I had, I didn't associate it with anything other than just for whatever reason, it didn't connect with people, but I thought that that deserved. So if you had asked me if, if joy, if this was joy and and timeline was different, I might've said, yeah, I don't get it because joy seems like a really good movie and people are really hating on it. Um, But, but people are hating this more and perhaps I, I don't know. I, I think joy is a significantly better movie. So I think this deserves, you know, it, the, the criticism it's getting in this case, but I think it, that's an interesting topic and not, we won't do it now, but to think about other films in, in the, in, that, that have come out in the past and, and do some of them sometimes become sort of like, I'm not going to see that, or I'm not okay. going to give it a fair shake because I'm just so, you know, I dislike the filmmaker so much
0: well not to get into it too far but we Abe and I along with our guests on the horror episode that's coming up this week on The Shining we did actually have a conversation that's somewhat extended this as far as the relation of, uh, of Stanley Kubrick and what was going on in the making of that film versus mm-hmm. the regard for that film today but uh, but yeah I, I mean Mark I agree that's why I was want to ask you guys about it as far as how much does this affect uh, one's perception of a movie to begin with right if
2: I can say for myself, I, I separate it. So he, I, and I have seen films by filmmakers. I, I, you know, don't like, I, I know that, or particularly stars that have done things that I don't, don't care for. Uh, but I, if the movie is good enough and I, and I can separate the art from the artist.
1: Sure. So, you know, who's not watching this movie I mean George Clooney and Amy Adams. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: Well, and, and, um. Uh, Lily Tomlin. Uh, Lily, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: I mean, right. just—I don't want to stir the pot, but Google Lily Tomlin and David O. Russell, and you'll—you'll you'll find some interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, as far as the movie's opening goes, I was wrong. Actually, it only made six million dollars in its opening it It's, made 10, <laughs> so 10, it's 10, made ten. It's made ten. It's made, before? 10, it's made ten worldwide. Uh, it's made. Okay. It made six domestically. This not movie. great. Uh, not great at all. It is third uh, behind Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile*, naturally. I wanted and, to see that this weekend. <laughs> and, <laughs> didn't get to and smile. Smile? Melee? Smile which grows 17 million this weekend, which is the equivalent of his budget. It dropped 22%. That is that's insane. not a lot, yeah. That's that's insane. So in regards to your question the movies are back. I mean they, they ha- I mean The Woman King's done well, Don't Worry yeah, Darling's yeah. been doing well, Smile's doing well right now, Barbarian, yeah. a movie that could have been buried is doing incredibly well. Right. I uh, I just couldn't
1: explain it because of every showing that I was looking for just not a full theater, which is, I I I don't know how to explain that.
2: Well, the movies are back for the movies that people want to see. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just had one of the biggest hits of all time this summer. So, you know, there are
0: movie, movies. But, but even outside of like tent pool stuff that's automatically going to get you in, you know, a movie like the woman king or don't worry darling there's not sure. much there beyond hey there's these people that you might know from this thing you want to see it and they said yes which is yeah, that's yeah, encouraging yeah. that's more encouraging than yeah not.
2: and the woman king uh, definitely overperformed I, I did, did a lot more than I think people expected and like also you just named a pretty good movie
0: and it's holding that's the other thing it's still in yeah. you know, it's still yeah. number four so yeah it's,
2: and it's even it's even getting some Oscar talk so like I,
0: I know we've talked about we talked about bros last week as well and that would right. be not doing well and you could attribute it to a number of things but i mean right it's just a matter of what people want to see um, sure. to some degree without necessarily discriminating against certain things it's more of like it, who is billy eichner versus who is viola davis i mean there's there's legitimate <laughs> yeah, grabs that, that in there. certainly
1: came up uh the week after
0: bros was released mm-hmm. yeah. um anything else on um amsterdam i know we've talked good about score I, I did like the score. Yes, yeah, I can, like I can it, say it's
1: that. A yeah. solid, and then I forget, it's actually a guy who I really like too. I forget. Yeah, Dan- who, Daniel Pemberton. Yeah. yeah, Pemberton. Yeah. He's done a lot of things that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Well, when should people go and see Amsterdam? I know we're not super favorable on this, but Mark, when should people see Amsterdam?
2: Uh, So wait, what is the low, what is the, not the like skip it, but what's right above that?
1: Streaming? Like, streaming. like yeah. television? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would say streaming.
1: Abe? Yeah, I'd say that this is probably just like an HBO streaming, like not even uh, like in our old scale, it'd be an HBO stream. Because I think you're gonna get a 10 out of 10 bail performance, um, but beyond that, it's just you know you don't have to rush out and see it at all.
0: I would agree. You can wait for this to hit your streaming. So it'll probably be what HBO at like Hulu at the same time because it was on 20th Century deal. Oh. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's what I'd say. There you go. All right. Well, we've talked about Amsterdam. And that's what we've done. So let's move on. And home. now we're gonna go to Amsterdam. <laughs> I guess so. Let's. What time? What time is it? In?
1: Aaron, it's time for a quick game here. <laughs> little fact. Little known fact. That's actually the sound that plays when Christian Bale puts his eye back in. <laughs> I'm sure.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I heard it. I've got a game for you guys this week. It's called Who Tweeted. Oh boy! This is a game where I will read tweets and. Uh, It either could be from Mark Oben, it could be from Aaron Newworth, or it could be from Scott (laughs) Mendelson. Okay. So if you think you know who tweeted, buzz in with your name and
0: tell me who tweeted. The first one here. I don't
2: like the idea of my tweets being read on the air like this. If you can remember them.
0: I mean, you posted them. <laughs> I know, but now they're being
1: like They're they're not a, they're nothing egregious. And they're all with the cast well, I don't, of, I don't, Mar- Marco I is such a
0: bad boy on Twitter. I
1: was going to say I
2: generally don't tweet egregious He's been banned things, but... before,
1: hasn't he? <laughs> no, but um these are all with uh, the cast members of uh of Amsterdam so the first one here if Christian Bale wanted to be Batman again Christian Bale would be Batman again
0: Aaron Aaron me
1: that is not an Aaron tweet oh that seems like something I'd say <laughs> Mark fifty fifty.
2: So, so then it would be uh Scott Mendelson. it is Scott Mendelson. yeah I mean it well, could I know it's you. not me <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait I don't get it Aaron
1: you didn't know that you didn't say that
0: Mark, I mean, I've been on Twitter out, for like eleven years. I do. I, I, I do.
2: I'm a say.
1: tricky guy, Mark. You know, I, I oh, will choose things oh, that make it sound you like you went
2: back like. eleven years.
0: No, I mean, I didn't I've been on okay. no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I've been on Twitter a while. It's not like I remember every single thing that I tweet. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That could have been an Aaron tweet. Which is but that's a, it. A that does sound something
1: like I would say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The next one here. The problem with focus is that everything feels like a sham. Margarabi is a star, however. Aaron, Aaron, Mark. That is a Mark tweet. Okay. The next one here Taylor Swift mentioned in the same breath as Picasso, Paul the Apostle, and Stanley Kubrick. That's some very good company. Mark. Mark. Scott Mendelson. That is not Scott. Aaron. Aaron. Mark? That is Mark. <laughs> Wait, read it again. <laughs> Taylor Swift mentioned in the same breath as Picasso, Paul the Apostle, and Stanley Kubrick. That's some very good company.
0: That sounds like a Mark thing. <laughs>
1: That was from like wow. 2012, I think. I mean I'm not tweeting about Taylor Swift. So <laughs> really. Next one here. I mean, besides visiting <laughs> I like this, this memory lane that Mark's on right now. <laughs> don't worry, Marky. It probably is- I don't get even know it. what
2: I was saying there. But anyway, whatever. Yeah.
1: Don't these are these are also not like um reply tweets, these are just direct tweets. You know what I mean? So they're right. uh, the context is all well, which them. makes
2: them they should they should be even more easy to guess then. <laughs>
1: Well, the next one here, you might get this one.
2: I mean, besides
1: wishing Hollywood Homicide was better received, there's a version of Scorsese's Cape Fear that would have uh, had Ford as Max Candy and De Niro as Sam. That would have been interesting. Aaron. Aaron. Scott. That is not a Scott tweet. Oh, well. well.
2: <laughs> Mark Aaron. That is an Aaron tweet. Yeah. yeah. I do like Hollywood Homicide. <laughs> so I take back. I take back what I said earlier in the game where you didn't remember what you said because yeah. I'm not. I mean, also, Mark, the score is tied 2 2 right now.
1: Uh, the next one here.
2: Zoe I mean, Saldana. It's tied to 2 2. Uh-huh. Be- I'm waiting for him to get it wrong so that I can just pick up the pieces. That's I have got, got it wrong. wrong. I've just got yeah. it
1: wrong. That's what's fun about it.
0: I got it
2: wrong twice I-
1: so far. <laughs> <laughs> right. Zoe Saldana gives her best performance when she's not playing a human. It's so bizarre. Aaron. Aaron. Is that Scott? That's not a Scott tweet.
2: <laughs> Mark Aaron?
1: That is an Aaron tweet. (laughs) The next one here. Maybe Chris Rock's voiceover acting in Madagascar and or Osmosis Jones would have been better if he took it more seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who who you got? Aaron. Aaron? Scott? That is a Scott tweet. (laughs) All right, next one here. Rewatching Public Enemies, I was forgetting what makes The Lesser Man, and then we get Christian Bale's half of the story.
0: Aaron. Aaron. That's me. That is an Aaron tweet. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I think about Public Enemies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The next one here. Anya Taylor-Joy is having a phenomenal year. Currently captivating Netflix subscribers in the Queen's Gambit, but she was also an MS. Mark. Mark. That is a Mark tweet. I'm
2: a big fan of her, so.
1: (laughs) The next one here. David O. Russell deserves an Oscar just for securing noms in every acting category for the second year in a row. Aaron, Aaron, Scott. That is not a Scott tweet. Mm. Mark, Mark, Mark. That is a Mark tweet. Okay.
2: That seemed like something I might say. <laughs> I
1: hilarious. don't remember, but <laughs> just saw that Mike Myers and tears of are going to be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. What great guess. If this was 1990, Aaron, Aaron, is that me being snarky? <laughs> That is not you being snarky. Okay.
2: Is that Mark Mark?
1: Mark. That is Mark being snarky. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The next one here. Jake Jill. I don't remember. Like... I
2: cannot remember saying these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what makes it fun.
1: Right. I. Can't nobody nobody remembers. I've played this game many times. Nobody remembers what they say. Although Aaron sometimes like I'm... really spot on.
2: It makes me have more sympathy for like these people, you know, on the stands in a courtroom, and then they say, "Do you remember when you did this?" And like, I don't remember that. And you're not like, "Oh, all. please, yeah. you're lying." Just one more thing. <laughs> it was a 1980
0: <laughs> Buick. The uh, club goes the court for some reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is nothing less than an extraordinary. Nightcrawler, like on the level Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, kind of incredible. Aaron. Aaron.
0: Is that me? That is
2: not an Aaron tweet. No. Okay. Is that me, Mark?
1: That is a Mark Hoban tweet.
2: Okay.
0: He is a He looks
1: pretty
2: good.
0: That movie is so underrated. <laughs> we we all said this at I mean, the time. I mean,
2: everyone everyone likes it, but like, I just feel like it really deserved more uh, recognition by like the Oscars. Yeah. Like guess.
0: an Oscar nomination for Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> that <laughs> that been. Been great. yeah, And maybe even a win.
2: I have to look at the. Uh, yeah, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. who was nominated. We look at here, the nominees, but, but yeah, that's 2014. So.
1: Yeah. Well, two more here. The oddest thing about Jared Leto's nominations for Little Things is that if you have to pick a performance from that film, Rami Malek does the most interesting work of the core trio. Aaron. Aaron. That's Scott. That is a Scott tweet, Yeah, because
0: he's terrible and Scott's wrong.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, the last one here. Based on the Oscar noms, I can imagine the smirk Michael Shannon's character would give Aaron, Aaron Taylor. yes, that's, that's me.
0: I've been saying that, that for is, years about Nocturnal Animals.
2: Wait, 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 read, read the whole quote. Go ahead yeah. and- Based Hear on it.
1: the Oscar noms, I can imagine the smirk Michael Shannon's character would give Aaron Taylor
0: Johnson in Nocturnal Animals. Oh. I remember that because Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor and then wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Instead, Michael Shannon was. And given those characters in that movie, that would be very funny because Michael <laughs> Shannon's like really hates Aaron Taylor Johnson's character. And Jared, Jared Johnson's just he's such an asshole in that movie. So it's like, <laughs> I can Just imagine the fictional short film regarding them re- receiving awards for said performances. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. Well,
1: Aaron, you had a furious comeback. But Mark, you are this week's winner in games winning seven to six.
0: Ooh, close game. Wow. It was it was one was of the,
1: if Aaron had just gotten one of those right about Scott, it would have been uh, probably an Aaron performance.
0: But that's how the creaky crumbles. <laughs> well, good game,
2: Aiden. Congratulations, Mark. Yeah. You know, I want, I want like a whole book of these, like put together. Of your, tweet, of your tweets? tweets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, not just of my tweet. No, of like, of, maybe I don't like all the friends of the show. And then, like, give it to people. I don't know. I'm just I'm just riffing here. But, like, like and it. then make it a game. I mean, it would only be interesting to, obviously, people that know us. but
0: For sure. But all the more reason for that out now intern to get hired sooner than later. So <laughs> I <really get> to <laughs> right. It, it would be way. a lot of work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you want to get paid nothing? Email us at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I have
0: the free digital downloads you can have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all the digital downloads that you'd want for movies that you've probably never seen. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the funny thing, i just
2: will comment on this, the, the way Twitter is, I'm sure I don't know, Scott Mendelson get, gets lots and lots of likes. But I, you know, I rarely get more than like four or five. And, you know, meanwhile, there are these things on Twitter, I cannot understand why. But, you know, Taylor Swift will, will tweet, I woke up today, and it'll get like 50,000 likes, you know, I mean, great, I get it. I mean, it but yeah. it's like, sometimes the things that get sometimes it's even a nobody like somebody just tweeted something just the most inane thing and yeah. it has like 300 000 likes and i can't figure out why because it'll never... get
0: like it'll get like retweeted by someone popular or something like that or then or yeah. an influencer will go on top of it that's what whatever. happens yeah yeah
1: this is why i've got to watch golden
0: triangle <laughs> yeah get it on the, on the but do you ever day.
2: do you ever get amazed by like sometimes seeing a tweet that gets like i guess you, you oh, don't get surprised oh. by that but I mean, it's not that
1: surprising, but it is certainly like influencer behavior or just why? like a very famous like, person. Like sometimes you'll see a tweet where it just says like this tweet will get 30,000 likes and it will surpass that.
0: So. And, and there are, you know, to, there are things that are just like there are ad supported stuff or think or like there's other mechanics going on behind the scenes sometimes that populate certain things. But it's yeah. neither here nor there.
1: Mm.
2: Anyway, sorry. Yeah
0: I so. digress. Oh, good, those game. I get it. Mark Oben, incredibly jealous of people on Twitter. I get it. Man. <laughs> hey, man,
1: you got more four. you got four more likes.
2: Than well, I, I just I would love to just get like 10 likes on a tweet or something. So.
0: Well, I'm gonna make 10 accounts then. We can, we we can. <laughs> That's the only way <laughs> 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 if, you, if you make 10 dummy accounts. <laughs> Let's move on. I gotta on. boost up <laughs> <of> Mark's ego. <laughs> Let's move
2: on from this. Who is this
1: egg zero 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 one two three four five guy? All
0: right. Well, no,
2: the, the, the lesson is don't have your ego based on. T- likes on twitter that's what i need to learn it's true this <laughs> is the path of the righteous man lesson learned
0: <laughs> you got it yeah once you once you start hobster tiktok that's that's where the money's at i think
2: hobster TikTok.
0: <laughs> with three b's it just be like it could be just you know you guys making fun poses on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. all right let's move on <laughs> let's get just about now feedback 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 Uh, That's where we go. The various questions answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners, and they give some answers. And yeah, Uh, Mark, feel free to join in. in Any uh, thoughts you might have on these questions? We go through here. But Abe, why don't you start? First question. Oh, I'm ready.
1: (laughs) First question here is: Who is your favorite cinematic doctor? Doctors. Chris has young Frankenstein, and Chris or Philip has Takeshi Shimura in Drunken Angel. Any favorite cinematic doctors from you guys? Well, first off, Abe Frankenstein. Frankenstein, sorry, my apologies. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't want to be associated anymore. Dr. Uh, no. Dr. No.
2: Doctor yeah? Strange, Yeah? Doctor Strange. I like where
1: this
0: is going. He's knocking us out. Keep truncating it. <laughs> uh what's uh what's uh not my, Dr. Rich, say, Dr. Not my favorite movie. I was gonna say Dr. Richard Kimball, Harrison there Ford. There you go.
1: Oh yeah. The he didn't kill his wife, Aaron.
0: He didn't. Don't care. <laughs>
2: Mark you actually, it? uh, Anthony Hopkins in *Science of the Lambs*. Ooh, he's yeah. An MD. yeah. Yeah, he's an MD. a patient. Oh, and he was a doctor in *Dracula*, Doctor Van Helsing.
0: Doctor Van Helsing, of course. Yeah. He's
2: double doctorate.
0: Double doctorate. Double doctorate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that might be the hashtag this week.
0: Double doctorate. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. There you go. Um. Doctor. Doctor. Doctor Grant. Right.
1: Yeah. Doctor L, Yeah. PhD.
0: Yeah, all of them. Dr. All, Dr. All, Dr. them all those guys, Doctor Ian, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Yeah, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Oh. What are he What are he saying? I don't know if he he's probably in the in the Simpsons movie, but it's got Doctor Nick Riviera. No, oh. probably but, yeah, Rivera. he is because he dies because because he, he gets crushed by the dome, and they say bye. He says bye, everybody. <laughs> like when the dome shatters, a piece of glass falls up. He says bye, uh, everybody. <laughs> Doctor Nick, the,
2: the Ghostbusters, they were all doctors.
1: Yeah, Doctor Venkman, Doctor Spangler, and I don't remember the last guy. Stans, Ray Stans his name is Stan, Stan. that's who dan
0: eckert's playing gray stands yeah gray stands oh, okay ray ray yes okay. yeah that's right dr moreau only the uh, brando version <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um leslie nails in an airplane right dr dr rubach sure All yeah right. uh, well we're at it dr robotnik dr. yes dr jim carrey dr robotnik. yeah all the evil doctors in various comic book movies that turn bad. All yeah,
1: ones. and all of the horror doctors Dr. like Doctor Dr. Connors,
0: Doctor 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 Octavius, yeah. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> uh, Rhino, uh, you know, oh, Doctor Zayas. Did you say that? Doctor Zayas.
1: Doctor Zayas. Yeah. Doctor
0: Zayas. Yeah. Doctor Zayas. Can you play the
1: piano anymore? Of course, he can.
0: But anyway, <laughs> let's move on.
1: It's a lot of doctors in movies that I didn't know about. He's <laughs> <laughs> a doctor,
0: in that yeah. What's your favorite David O. Russell film? Chris has tough one, but he says The Fighter or Three Kings. Philip writes, I heart Huckabees. Oh, Philip there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Three Kings. I really enjoy it. Mine is very much Three Kings. I'm gonna go with, it's one of my favorite movies ever in general. So I'm
2: going to go with The Fighter. The Fighter?
1: <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was re- really good bail performance. I mean, he wins the Oscar for it, but when you see in the credits, you're just like, this is exactly the brother. Yeah, you get why
0: yeah exactly yeah i i really like silver linings too i, I rewatched that again I the do. first time in a while and it's a very watchable movie oh, i really it's like it a so lot. heartwarming it, yeah. it is yeah and de- you know what de niro's great de niro's like great. I, was, I was gonna say that. i was yeah, so I was rooting great. for him to like it's not like, like he you know needs the oscar but what he was and, in, and
1: even uh, and so, uh but he's uh, very
0: but I, I really i just really like that De Niro performance because it feels very like a, like a real person that exists yeah like, it's it feels very like, it
1: feels like a dad you know just like a bookie dad because, but also like he gets hmm I forget her name but she's from like Animal Kingdom. Yeah,
0: um Oh, Jackie Jackie Weaver? Weaver. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, but she's great as like, you know, this this mom in this movie. So. Yeah. Uh the question here, what are some great movies about inseparable best friends? Scott writes Stand by Me. Chris has Star Wars, R2D2 and C3PO in particular, and The Lord of the Rings, those hobbits are tight. <laughs> Philip has RRR. Correct. Justin writes The Sandlot. And Jordan Grout has Milo and Otis.
2: Is that our our, our Aaron's number one movie of twenty twenty two? It is, certainly
0: is. I mean, that is definitely a movie about inseparable best friends. <laughs> I
2: mean, it, yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, like talk about camaraderie. Feature. Yes. Yeah. And and friendship and bromance and all of that stuff. He was like captured it perfectly. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go with the '80s, the uh, The Breakfast Club. Okay. Breakfast were they Club friends? Club? Were they inseparable? They best were Club.
1: best friends afterward. I guess well, by the end of the day,
2: are they best yeah. friends?
0: At the
1: end, he, at the end,
0: there's a lot of like you know emotional reveals in that movie. They I awesome. mean, the, is like Anthony Michael Hall like on Monday going to be like, "Come on, Amelia, let's go hang out now"?
1: No, he's still going to be in
2: the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they may not have been inseparable, equally inseparable with each other, but they were like pairs. Fair enough. There you go. They came I, to an understanding. I'm
0: just, I'm just waiting for the sequel, Mark. That's all. Oh where are boy, <laughs> were they sixty years later? Yeah, where are they now? Yeah. 60 years, it's not that old. Wow. Jeez. It's, it's the 80s, like, it's aren't not, we? Like 59, they're not going to be senior citizens. We see the breakfast club again, they've got their AARP memberships. It's a shame that Anthony Michael Hall he, he, he left he left Sherby, Illinois to go to Haddonfield and evil died tonight. <laughs> to and he got killed, killed? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, they, they killed him. I got else, mom mentality. <laughs> everybody else is cool though. Jen Nelson's like an accountant or something. <laughs> uh, What's next i like the idea now that the the hughes universe is next to Haddonfield, illinois because it's sherber they're, they're <laughs> like, both in illinois i yeah. like to think that they're both very close to each right. other and, like the characters are like pretty and picker constantly yeah. but did you hear about what the myers family did
1: i was gonna say like you didn't see it in the in the actual movie but you know ferris bueller actually they drive through Haddonfield. they drive through Haddonfield to get to chicago exactly <laughs> it's on yeah. the way it's on the way <laughs> <laughs> If their Ferrari had stopped off in Hattafield, things might oh, have been that's, different. That's funny.
0: that's funny. All right. Name some great movies featuring tons of movie stars in small parts. Oh. Scott writes, Around the World in 80 Days. And I question him saying great movies. And he said,
2: Well, what best picture? Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
0: that,
2: maybe that is his great movie.
0: Um, Chris writes, uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Uh and oh, Philip that has, and Philip has Black way. Hawk down. That is an everybody movie.
2: Well, I, I think of things like uh the Poseidon adventure, the towering inferno, you know those mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, cast Over, of thousands, Erwin Allen Allen Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, uh, Robert, like... Robert Altman's the player. Oh, the player. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of, like those
1: everything movies like JFK and um you know you mentioned Lincoln oh, earlier, yeah. but I'm going to go with uh Zoolander. <laughs> Billy Zane? Come on. That's...
2: Yeah, no, that's a good...
0: that's good stuff. You named one star. <laughs> <laughs> and even saying star for zoolander billy zane in 2001 is uh, stretching it a bit alexander
1: yeah, Skarsgard. <laughs> yeah, before but anyone before knew he, he was. was alexander Skarsgard.
0: <laughs> yeah just as one of the guys that died in that explosion seal <laughs> is seal in zoolander i thought he was like he should have been in a uh, there were a club, lot of cameos there are there are a lot of cameos yeah. i i'm not i'm not the biggest zoolander so i just don't remember it very well beyond like john voight you know? <laughs> and and <laughs> john john. the merman yeah. About um, you? Well, Mark mentioned the player. So I'm going to mention shortcuts as far as Altman films go. Okay. Um, and the Oceans films, obviously. I mean, Julie Roberts shows
1: up. Introducing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she doesn't look like her.
2: Any Wes Anderson movie, but I'll go with the Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: Sure. There you go. Yeah. It's yeah, a good one. Bob Balaban shows up. The
0: biggest of all. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That next question here. What are some stylish 1930s set films? Chris has for style, probably the the sting or untouchables, but my fave has to be Oh no brother, one. where art thou? And Philip has The Grandmaster.
0: That's a great Hawaii. that that's a great pick. I wouldn't yeah. like I just I don't think outside of America because I'm stupid like that. But yeah, the oh, Grandmaster yeah. is a that's a, it's a really good pick for his stylish 1930s movie. Yeah. Uh The Sting Paper is Moon. A, another good. You know, the, yeah, Paper Moon rules. Oh my god. Yeah. Still not on Blu-ray in America. It sucks. Well, Buy an international version. I don't. I don't know. I do have an international version. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, why is Pierre Bogdanovich just rolling in his grave, not getting a damn Blu-ray for Paper Moon? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Chinatown. Island. Chinatown. When when was the artist? The Silent Era. So it's the twenties. Okay, so like the twenties. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Twenty is what he says at the end of the artist. <laughs>
1: I'm uh, I'm John Goodman. I'm just clapping. You're just clapping. <laughs> I'm, I'm counting my money and clapping. <laughs>
0: um, all right, uh, last question here. What are some films that have characters naming a location that feels like their paradise? Hmm. Philip has the castle.
1: I think it's pronounced the Castelly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say because uh, I make fun of this, and my friends and I make fun of it all the time because we say it all the time. It's Watsonayo from uh, from. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the name of the movie right now. What do you what do you think of? What is that? It's Zwatineo. Um from uh that one movie where he, he's a banker and he didn't kill his wife.
0: He's a banker and he didn't kill his wife?
1: Yeah, it stars uh it's got red in it and
0: Kirkwood Smith?
1: No, <laughs> it's got Morgan Freeman and uh and
0: uh Oh, what? To, to, okay. It's Morgan. You said Red in
1: Redemption. <laughs> there you go. Oh,
0: thank you. It's got red in it. You thought I was going to guess Morgan Freeman was like, it's got red. In it? <laughs> the, the character red. Yeah. In that's any the, case, that's name, redemption. That's the name of the, the island or whatever they go to. The beach. That's,
1: that's the name of the beach that he tells him in prison. I was like, yeah. For the life of me, i failed that trivia question. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my friends and I say. We're like, how does Morgan Freeman remember this after like a very brief conversation in the yard, like years ago?
0: I mean. It's not a lot to do in the in Shaw Shangri. I guess. <laughs> he, yeah. he keeps his mind occupied somehow.
1: Well, you get busy living or you get busy dying.
0: And I see he's writing all this down in his journal. So you know. <laughs> How else is he narrating this? It doesn't make any sense. Um, I just missed my friend. Um, as far as uh paradises the that characters that characters have in movies, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Speaking
2: of Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, I mean Shangri-La and Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon, yeah. There you go. Van Capra. Maybe your, uh uh in citizen kane charles foster Kane's childhood in the snow playing with his beloved sled sure oh
0: um what are some other I, I want i want to have some actual answers for this one that i could go with here i feel like there's a lot well, of these. i mean
2: like midnight in paris sure yeah yeah
0: um
1: you know uh at the end of the return of the king when he's like you remember the shire It's like i miss the shire that
0: classic dialogue exchange. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they said. And then they catch up the Eagles.
1: It's there's nothing more sentimental about it. It's just I miss the Shire. And then,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure uh, Portman and Skywalker are all about Naboo at some point. And <laughs> Do you remember in... Boss Nass? Yeah, hey, I miss that guy. What's he up to? Oh, you know. Yeah. He's a grandfather now. <laughs> he lets his son run the place.
2: <laughs> all right.
0: Let's <laughs> that feedback. I got one. Oh, oh yeah, I got yeah. one.
2: How about um, like. Harlem or the Cotton Club in that movie. Yeah, the Cotton Club. Yeah, sure, it worked out. Yeah. It's kind of their paradise. Well, that was feedback, feedback feedback.
0: That's feedback. Yeah. And that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now there and abe. Uh you can find more of my work on personal blood the Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me writing at Weekly Entertainment for my movie reviews, Y of Blue for Blue Rain Criterion Reviews, and on Twitter at Aaron's PS4 Abe. You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and
1: twitter.com slash hashtag double doctoring. Mark Hoban, we're going to be able
0: to find more of you online.
2: Uh, you can find more of my reviews on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me and like my tweets uh, at, at Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. We're trying to get him more than five. <laughs> Come
0: on, let's go, guys. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of OutNow, on iTunes, Audiobooks, Spotify, and Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at gmail.com
1: or write our well, own a podcast. Or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore
0: podcast, where we are also trying to get at least four likes on our tweet. <laughs> and of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And again, uh, please leave us uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, and check out our horror-themed bonus episodes. Those are a lot yeah. of fun to do. Oh, the abominable Dr. Phoebe. That's a doctor. Oh, yeah. It's, in price. Then.
2: <laughs> it's a <laughs> um, it's in price.
0: Marco, but thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you,
2: Mark. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was, even though the movie wasn't the best. It was a good discussion. There you go. That's for all sure. we can ask. Always for. yeah. we look forward to. There right. There a, go. a good podcast doesn't have to be about a great film. It can just be a good discussion.
0: Boom. That's exactly. the meaning of friendship. It, 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 that's that's what that's what John David Washington said. <laughs> that's about. the meaning of friendship.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Let's see. Next week's show, we're talking Halloween ends. It ends. What already? It's ending. Sheesh. That's right. The oct- David on, Gordon Green's going to be on on October seventeenth. Uh, we can't talk about Halloween anymore.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't see me? But I'm I'm actually shaking my head. He's not. You can't gonna dress up, no, no, nope, none of that. This is like a uh, like Labor Day, but for October. Stomp out your uh, jack o' lanterns. No, none of that. Stomp it out. No, Stomp you can't do that because then okay. the uh, trick or treat monsters are gonna get you. It's not trick or treating. Halloween <laughs> ended.
0: Oh, <thank> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are they, you? They doing? stopped. <laughs> yeah. They stopped at
1: their tracks. Put your turkeys I out.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's next week. But until then, until next time. So long
1: and goodbye. That time she- So It makes
2: sense for why they titled it Scream. They were mm-hmm. gonna call it Hellraiser, still Hellraisin. But, <laughs> but then they decided it sounded like a joke. So. Uh, Mark knows how to make <laughs> us laugh. <laughs> All right,
0: that would have been great. Um, another, <laughs> yeah. another few things here. Doctor Van Helsing, of course. Yeah. He's
1: double doctorate.
0: Double doctorate. Double doctorate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that might be the hashtag this week.